Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys going? Ready for a good morning? I know you guys already are having a good morning. I love worshipping God. Don't you love worshipping God? Don't you love just being able to forget about what is taking place in your life, whether good or bad, and just go, you know what, God's good, isn't He? He's doing some awesome stuff, and He's doing some awesome stuff in the life of this church, and uh, we, we will love you to be a part of it. We will love you to, to find family with us. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic to be able to do live, not alone, but with people all around us uh, are being able to input into our lives. That is something that is so amazing. And um, yeah, and, and I, I got a word from God this morning, and I'm really excited. Becca and a couple of others, we were at Hillsong this week, uh, over at a conference over this week, and um, if you've ever been to a Christian conference, um, it is like drinking from a fire hose, and God was just inputting so much into me, and the problem with things like Hillsong conference is that as a preacher, I'm like, I like that, I like that, I like that, and it's all like, I want to talk about that on Sunday, I want to talk about that on Sunday, so I've got about half an hour, and I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of, no, not really... I prepared my message the week before, but I think over the course of the week, God started to to reveal aspects of um, this passage that I want to read with us this morning, uh, because I believe that there's truth in here that will unlock something in your life. And we are do, we're doing a series at the moment called Made for Mondays, and it is it is with this sense and this um, this principle for us that our lives don't revolve around a Sunday-based church. Our Christianity, our religion is not based around what we do at church events. If God, God actually isn't a God that compartmentalizes your life like that. He actually sees your whole life and He goes, that's you. He's created you for Sundays to praise Him. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But He's also made you for Mondays. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. He's created us for each and every other day, every, every day. And we have got to catch a hold of that. And I hope that today's message will give you a sense that God wants to give you a sense of purpose about each and every single day of your life. Not just the religious days that we set aside but each and every moment of each and every day. Let's just pray this morning before we get into the passage. Dear God, I pray that the words that I've spoken this morning are from you. And every word that proceeds from your mouth, it doesn't return void. It, it, it brings freedom. It brings life. It challenges us. It shows us the things that we might need to change in, but it's done so with great grace and great love because you are calling us to the life that you have created us for. So we thank you for that, God. We pray that your presence leads us, your presence guides us, your presence leads me. Holy Spirit, guide me as I share your word this morning. Amen. Amen. Turn to Acts chapter 3. We are going to read a passage Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. If you've got it, say, got it. Fantastic. If you don't got it, say, don't got it. Get yourself a, a phone, uh, a smart one, yeah, something called a U version Bible app. Then you can, have your phone, you can have your Bible wherever you go. 
But I want to read from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, and it says this. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly... The man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit, who used to sit, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I wasn't always as smart as I am now. I believe I'm the smartest man on the face of the... No, I really don't. There's so much that I haven't seen and so much that I, I'm still exploring. And life is a journey, isn't it? And I, I, I'm hoping that tomorrow I'm going to know more than I know today. I'm hoping that in two days' time, I'm going to have even greater revelations of God and what He is doing in my life and what His plan is and, and all that kind of stuff. But I thank God that I'm smarter than I was 10 years ago. See, about 10 years ago, I was in a relationship, my first and only relationship before uh, Beck. And I, by relationship, I mean uh, romantic styles. I don't mean just, um, I don't just mean like a, 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 a friend. Uh, I, I was uh, dating a girl, and, um, and we dated for 10 months, and I thought it was going swimmingly, and she did not, and I wasn't very smart back then, so I didn't know that it wasn't working out, and, um, and she broke up with me, yes, I've got the guts to say that, I did not break up with her, she broke up with me, she left this, that's, <laughs> Beck's very happy about that, she's not in this room, she's out with our mini lifters, so I can say that. But um, when we broke up, she gave me this line. She said, uh, we're breaking up because we are heading in different directions. And I thought that that was girl speak for, I don't want to tell you the truth. Anyone knows what I mean? You know, girls, you make our lives hard. You say stuff and we're like, you don't mean that. You, I don't know what that means. It's not you, it's me. What does that mean? It's like, you choose it's like, it's okay, it's all good with me. All that stuff, it's like, please, speak, caveman, help me out. Use a stick, beat me on the head, it helps. Any guys reckons that they need a little bit of tough love from their wives? But she said, we are heading in different directions, and I, I couldn't understand it. And to be honest, my whole life stopped. It was like someone hit the pause button, and I could not move on. I was stuck in place for about three months. And during that three months, uh, I actually came to myself in a way. Because the whole, my whole life before then, I thought that I had it worked out. I thought I had it planned. I thought that I knew what was going on. And, and I thought that I knew how things were supposed to work. But that one event in my life stopped me from 
seeing that anymore. I lost my confidence. I lost my ability to see what life was supposed to be like. Anyone have had those moments before? Where, you know, something just happens and you're like, what in the world just took place? And, and a big part of that was that I could not understand the words, we are heading in different directions because I always thought we were heading the same direction. See, right from the age of about 18, I thought church world is my world. And I thought that God had called me to something great and significant in the church world. And I was working myself toward that. And when I got into this relationship, I thought that my, uh, uh, my girlfriend at that time would, would, would appreciate the power of the ministry. You know what I mean? You know, when, when we served in the youth group, we served in the, in the worship team together, we served on Sundays, we, we were doing church stuff probably uh, four nights a week, and we, we were doing stuff, we were pouring out into the church, and it made me feel like I was living out the purposes of God in my life. And, and because of that, I thought that, that, that I would I volunteer here for everything that we were doing as well. This is that's how I thought things work. Where I go, she follows. Isn't that how it's worked? No, well, it didn't. <laughs> and that's why I got back. Because, because she wants to do the same thing as I do. Not because I'm manipulating her, but... I don't know why I'm having too much fun this morning, because this is actually quite a sad story, isn't it? But, uh, but when we broke up, I, I had... I had an epiphany. I had a moment where I was like, oh my gosh. See, through the course of our dating, we would talk about our lives and where we're going in the future and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and she was studying occupational therapy. And when we talked about it, she was like, yeah, I really see myself being an OT. I really see myself being able to help people in that way. I see that as my ministry. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, you want to do something on your Mondays or Fridays. That's, that's cool. Everyone needs to. Not everyone can work in church. But let's talk about what we're going to be doing at youth group. Let's talk about the worship team. Let's talk about the people uh, in church and, and what we're doing to help them. And during that season where my life paused, I suddenly recognized that not once did I, not once, not once, Something's going on. Not once did I value the fact that she thought that her Mondays to Fridays were as significant as what she was doing on Friday nights and as what she was doing on our Sunday mornings. Not once did I value that. We were going in different directions because I could not see that what she was doing in her uni course in her lead up to what she was going to be doing vocationally was actually as strong, as significant, as valuable a ministry as what I wanted to do. That moment radically changed the way that I saw what church needed to be like. Most of you won't work with me in a vocational way. Most of you will see what I do and what's happening in the church and you will value it and you will love it, but you won't sense a call towards it. But most of you will sense that God is calling you to something from your Mondays to your Fridays, whether you are a, a, a mom looking after your kids, whether you're a dad looking after your kids, whether you are a businessman, whether you're a teacher, 
whether you are a politician, whatever it is, that is your ministry. You were made for Mondays. There is a significance and a purpose to your everyday life. God is not calling you to come alive for two hours on a Sunday morning and then shutting that off on your Mondays to Fridays. And, 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 and I think it's really important that we understand that what happens here is actually kind of like pre-ministry. This is my ministry, don't get me wrong. This, I, I value it, I love it. But the Bible teaches me that pastors, teachers, uh, 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 preachers, the, the, the prophets, they are for the equipping of the saints, which is you guys, so that you can do the ministry. And I need to get myself into a place where I'm not just going, oh, look at my ministry, but it really is about your ministry. It really is about the fact that tomorrow you are equally used of God. Tomorrow you equally can minister to someone else's life. And do you know that God has called you to have that kind of purpose, direction, and clarity for your life? Do you know that God has called you not just to sleepwalk your way through your week, but that you have a purpose and a destiny. And when I look at this passage, and I look at uh, Acts chapter 3, and I see Peter and John, uh, I started to see something. It says that Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, 3 p.m. to be exact. Why was that detail put in? It's because it was a routine. This was something that all Jews knew that they should do. When you are in Jerusalem, at 3 p.m., you go pray. This is what they did. And this is what they had been doing for the longest of times. This was their routine. This was their every day. This was what they knew to do. Just like you know tomorrow at 7 a.m., it's time to wake up, to freshen up, to get yourself ready so that by 8 o'clock, you're jumping in your car, going to work. Routine. Every day, 3 p.m. on the dot, they went to the temple to pray. There was another man in this story that had a routine as well. We later on learned that he had been lame for 40 years. I don't know at what stage he started or when he, was, uh, when he became lame, but it must have been for a long time because everyone seemed to recognize that that was his routine, that was his spot. And, and, and so this man had this routine. He would be placed at the temple gate called Beautiful, kind of ironic. And a beggar would be begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, but that's where they placed him. Maybe it was called Gate Beautiful because at one stage they thought that when you're entering in, you would see the glory of God. And maybe this guy was like, I can't enter the, the temple, but maybe I'll sit here and maybe I'll catch some God-fearing people as they go to the temple and they'll recognize that the beauty of God is not just about going into the temple, but seeing the people around in your life. And so they placed this layman at the temple gates and he was begging every day. Every day. Routine. So Peter and John come along in their normal routine. And they meet up with this guy who also has this routine, but I'm kind of wondering, why did Peter and John not see him before? Why did Peter and John not 
see this man. We, we, we read this passage as though this was the first time they saw each other. But this was the Jewish custom, the routine, that they would go to the temple and pray. This, this was his routine, that he would be at the temple begging. And their routines intersected, but they never collided. They were separate. This morning I want to talk about how do I look? If you want a title for the message, how do I look? Because I, I reckon that there's so many of us going through our everyday routines and we're not really looking. We're not really seeing what is taking place. Peter and John, every day going to the temple to pray and they see this man but they didn't really see him. They were having a boy look. We all know what that looks like. Can't find it. Back. <laughs> Wives are greatest blessing to men because without that we would not know where our car keys were. But they were going through this life and, and so I started to ask myself, why did Peter and John recognize or see this lame man for the first time in Acts chapter 3? Well, then you have to look into Acts chapter 2. And what took place in Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2 tells us an account of what happened. You see, Peter and John were Jesus' disciples. They walked with him on the face of the planet, seeing the miracles, the teaching that he had been doing. They saw him die on the cross, and then they saw his resurrection, and they spent time with him after his resurrection. And Jesus told them, he said, Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power, as I send the Holy Spirit to you. And in Acts chapter 2, we find Peter, John, plus 120 other disciples in this place they called the upper room which is just simply the attic of a house and they were praying they were saying God you said that you would send us power that would, that would release us to live the life that you have called us to and, and then we read that it was like a mighty wind that came through one day and tongues of fire seemed to alight on the head of every person that was praying in that room they started speaking in tongues and we know now that that is the day of Pentecost that was the baptism in the Holy Spirit being revealed and, and poured out onto all men. The Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were different from the Acts chapter 1, Peter and John, in that they had received the very gift that God had talked to them about. It was a gift that was supposed to empower them for the life that they were called to live. And so, this is what happens when you become a Christian. Your past is gone, is dealt with. You know, when you come into a church, you don't have to worry about whether the ceilings are going to cave in because of what you did this week. Jesus has dealt with that. That is not an issue anymore. But one of the things that Christians seem to forget is that we are saved from our past, but we are also saved to our future. We are saved from what has taken place, but He has also given us a purpose for our tomorrow. And when we forget that, we are unable to walk in the calling that God has given to us. And so when Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, I'm going to call them activated Christians. These two activated Christians, suddenly they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does, is God living inside of you, counseling you, guiding you, speaking to you, empowering you. And suddenly... They looked differently. Suddenly they saw something that they hadn't seen before. They saw this man. 
they saw this man. You know, it's kind of funny because I think all of us, we, we sometimes segregate our spirituality into different parts. And I've spoken about this. And, um, and uh, uh, when we first moved to Carlisle earlier this year, Beck and myself, we, we went for a walk uh, to a cafe because that's what you do when you live in Vic Park. You walk to cafes. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. You don't have to get into your car. You just walk. And we were walking to a cafe. I was wearing this very T-shirt. That's why I'm wearing it now. And I was wearing this T-shirt, and I was just walking. And I was having a good chat with my wife in my space, just going to get a coffee. It was a Saturday morning. I wasn't really thinking about anything else. And along this way, we had a, a family walking in the other direction. And they, um, uh, uh, they, as they walked they walk past us, and then suddenly a man, uh, the, the, the dad, shouted, or not really shouted, that sounds bad, but he, he said, Hey, mate, what does your T-shirt mean? And because I'm a pastor, I gave him the full gospel. <laughs> oh, well, he said, no other name. He says, Jesus Christ, you know, he died on the cross for your sin. He purchased, the family got saved, and then the next day, their grandparents got saved, and, and they, none of that happened. <laughs> Why? Because your pastor didn't see the opportunity in front of him. I was so tongue-tied, it was embarrassing. I was like, the, uh. <laughs> Beck was sitting, standing right next to me, and she was looking at me. And she was like, what is wrong with you? On a Sunday, you preach, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can talk about Jesus for the rest of my life. In that moment, because it wasn't a Sunday, <laughs> I didn't know how to talk about Jesus. In my head, I was like, oh, I don't want to offend you. I'm so scared about what is happening right now. I am not ready for this. Because sometimes you're not very good at being activated Christians, are we? But this story shows me what happens when, when we allow the Holy Spirit to talk to us. So Peter and John I told you that story because I want you to know that I'm not there yet. I'm as equally challenged by this passage because Peter and John, they saw this man many times, but suddenly the Holy Spirit is like, this is an opportunity. When you're activated by the Holy Spirit, there is a quickening in your spirit to know when there is an opportunity. You see things differently. And the, this man that they had seen many times, they finally saw that there's a miracle about to happen. And so they come up to him and they say, Peter says, Peter says, look at me. Look at me. And it says this man turns and he looks at Peter and John with expectation. He had been begging all day. Maybe this is the first person that actually paid him any notice. And Peter says, look at me. But what he says next is it's ridiculous. See, when someone is asking you for something, right? If you don't have it, you don't draw your attention. You don't draw the attention to yourself. You get what I mean? When someone's like, hey, anyone here got like um, two bucks that they can spare? If you don't have two bucks to spare, you don't want to have two bucks to spare, you don't go look at me. Am I right? But that's exactly what Peter did. He said, look at me. I don't have what you want. Activated Christians are whack. 
look at me. I don't have it. Why do you want me to look at you for? You know, some of us are so scared to have people look at us because we are not sure that we have what they need. Some of us are so scared to take the opportunities that the Holy Spirit is beginning to cause you to see because deep inside there's this insecurity. It's like, I don't have what you need. And I think that was what was going on when I walked past his family. As it turns out, I think God was just testing me because they were Christians and the guy was like, oh yeah, I thought that you guys were Christians and that's why I was asking. It was all good. I think God was just like, you better get ready because the next time someone asks you about that t-shirt, they're probably not going to be Christians and their eternity rests on your response. And so I'm getting ready for this. Jesus. But in that moment, I was like, I'm so scared of offending you. How do I bring Jesus to life in this moment? Because I'm so scared that you're going to be, oh, you're one of those Jesus people. What if I fluff it? What if I don't get it right? What if I don't have what a person needs? But an activated Christian doesn't stop there. An activated Christian admits, I don't have the answers. I don't always have what it takes. I don't always have what you need. But an activated Christian takes another step and says, but what I do have what I do have, what I do have, I give to you. What I do have. Christian, you've got to understand that when God shows you opportunities, He's not pointing, pointing to what you don't have. He's pointing to what you do have. And so many of us as Christians, we are living with this condemnation and guilt because we think that we're not perfect and that we haven't got our thought life ready. We, we still struggle with anger, envy, lust. We're, like, we're not ready to go to that Peter and John extent. And, and, and we hold back because we stop and I don't have what you want. And we never get to, but what I do have, I give to you. Christians, can I start to ask that you take another step. God is highlighting opportunities in your life that you need to see. God is highlighting to you the fact that your Mondays matter. That when you go to work on Monday, it is not switch off that spiritual side because this is an arena that I don't really know what I have to give. I will serve on a Sunday. I will be on the band. I will be on a host team. I will be in the kids team. But when I go to work, don't, don't expect anything more than what I already do anyway. But suddenly the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and He's saying, you've got something so much more valuable in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, my weaknesses are made strong. In the name of Jesus, I, 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 I can speak about Him. In the name of Jesus, suddenly I can have something far more valuable than anything this world has to offer. And I get, I get to offer it. I get to offer it. It's really cool because in this moment, Peter and John simply saw this one man. I looked at him and they said, what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, walk. And then they brought him into the temple. 
Maybe for the first time in his 40 years of living, someone brought him into the presence of God. How? Because they gave him something so valuable that he ran in to God's presence. Some of you are waiting for your family, for your loved ones to receive Christ, to see God's presence, but you're not meeting those needs at the, at the, at the gate uh, that leads into the church. Some of you are expecting that your friends and your family will want to run into church with you, but they're sitting at the gate because no one has been looking out for them. No one has ever even seen them. No one has ever offered to say, what I have, I give to you. And when you do, something radically happens. But I love what happens next because I didn't read this. You can read this in Acts chapter 3 for yourself. But when people started to recognize that, hey, that's, 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 that's the guy that was always begging at the gate, suddenly everyone recognized him. Everyone used to walk past him, but suddenly everyone now recognizes him, and they all ran to the temple. They literally, the Bible says, people ran to the temple because something was going on. And they ran in, and then it says, and Peter saw the crowd. He, he looked at the crowd and he saw another opportunity and he starts to speak about Jesus and 2,000 people get saved that day. I'm wondering how many of us are wanting God to use you mightily, but we're not willing to look after the beggar and we only want the crowds. How many of us want a significance on our lives, but we are not happy to obey the talk about seeing the beggar, looking at the person that doesn't seem to have anything to offer us. Who knew that that beggar, who knew that that poor, that man with nothing, no social status, an outcast in society, would become the gateway to 2,000 people's hearts? And some of us are looking at our lives and we're like, God's not using me. We'll say, what about that person? What about the fact that he's asking you to look a little bit differently into your everyday? Your workplaces, your families require you to say, what I have, I give to you. Not in a condescending, not in an abusive way, in a helpful, gracious, loving way. Peter says, what I have, I give to you. And then he offers his hand to a man who is an outcast, a man who is unclean, a man who no one ever looks at. He reaches out and brings about a revival of not just one man, but 2,000 people. God has got something so significant in your life, if you would just look. If you would just look. So how are you looking? How do you look? How do I look? I look good on Sundays, but on Mondays, I'm like, I don't even know how to talk about Jesus. How do I look? But sometimes acting out of what the Spirit is teaching you is not going to be convenient. Peter and John preaches, 2,000 people get saved, and they encountered opposition. Living the activated Christian life is whack. You see things differently. You see miracles. You see revival. You see crazy things. And you will also see opposition. The activated Christian life doesn't mean that you're going to get through every day smoothly. It simply means that you're going to see opportunities where previously you did not. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to walk away from the difficult times because the next moment we read Peter and John were chucked in jail. <laughs> I brought revival when you chucked me in jail. 
Jesus, I did your work, and now I'm faced with this. I'm wondering how many of us have stopped the flow of the work of God in your life and through your life because you've faced with some opposition. But Peter and John didn't stop there. They got chucked in jail. The next day they were brought before the religious leaders. And the religious leaders questioned them. And Peter, true to form, starts to preach to them about Jesus again. <laughs> the activated Christian life doesn't get sick and tired of the message of Jesus Christ. The message of Jesus is our lifeblood. The message of a crucified Savior, a God who would lower himself to our level in order to purchase our life. That's a story that we cannot get sick of, no matter what forum we enter, no matter whether people like the message or not, the message still stands. And in Acts 4 verse 13, it says this, when they saw the courage, these, these were people who didn't like their message, by the way, but when they saw the courage of Peter and John, what did they see? They saw the, did they see the eloquence? Did they see the education? Did they see that these guys had a greater anointing from God? They just had simple human courage, a bonus. Why? Because they were activated Christians. They were not scared of things that normal people are scared of anymore. They were not scared of showing that they were uneducated. <laughs> they were not scared of saying, I don't really have what you are saying that you want, but guess what? I got something more. They were not scared of that. They were not scared of offending people. They were not scared of, of being chucked in jail. They were not scared of the message that they carried. And it says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What do people see when they see you? How do I look? Does it look like I've been with Jesus? Does my courage speak of my relationship with my Savior? Or am I a timid, unactivated Christian? We saw Peter and John and realized that they've been with Jesus. Your Sundays in this place are so precious because each and every Sunday you get to be with Jesus. You also get to be with Jesus on Mondays to Saturdays, don't get me wrong. But something also needs to happen after you've been with Jesus. Suddenly you look a little bit different. I'm wondering how many of us are trying to look like everyone else. Trying to blend in with the crowds. Because God didn't call us to live that kind of life. The activated Christian stands out. And sometimes people will love you for it. And sometimes people will hate you for it. But they will always know that you have been with Jesus. How do you look? How do you look? See, the thing about this story that I 
started to think about as well over this week is that maybe we need to recognize that most of us were that beggar that was sitting at the gate. We were at the doorway to the temple, but we weren't in there. We had a lack, a severe need. And the only reason why we should be activated Christians is because for all of us, there was someone that saw us. Someone saw me in my time of great need, in my time of great lack, thinking that I've been overlooked, thinking that no one sees me, thinking that I have got no value or worth to this world. The reason I've got courage to do what I do is because there was someone that saw me. And that someone, sometimes through the voice and the hands of another human being, quite often through the voice and the hands of another human being. Many of you are here because someone invited you to be here. Many of you are here because you've had someone who's been praying for your soul. Many of you are here because someone has invested into your life. But ultimately it's because God saw you. He saw that you weren't in the temple yet. You didn't really know how to get in there. And so he came out. And maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're not ready to be an activated Christian because you still feel like you are sitting at the gate beautiful, but things aren't really beautiful at all. All you can see is that your legs don't work. People overlook you. And you're hoping that someone will just see you and know you. The message of the gospel is that Christ sees you. He sees you not in your perfection. He sees you not in your not in your works or what you've created. He doesn't see you in what you have done. He just simply sees you. He says, what I have, I give to you, which he did. On that cross, he gave of his life so that you, me, I would have life. How many of us remember that? How many of us know that? How many of us carry that? How many of us, when we think about the cross, stir something up inside of us? Or have we forgotten? Has that become something that we've heard so many times that it no longer moves us? And see, one of the things about this last week is that God started to challenge me to look again to look again into the Gospels, to look again into Jesus' eyes, into Jesus' heart, to recognize his love for me, to recognize that one day 
I was that beggar with nothing to give and nothing to offer, but he saw me. If you can get the band up this morning. I'm about to finish. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. I believe that Jesus, much like Peter and John, says to each and every single one of us, look at me. Look at me. I'm not going to offer you some temporary solution to your issues. I'm not just going to offer you some worldly solutions to your eternal issues. I'm not just going to give you some money because money is of no worth in eternity. But what I have, I give to you, and that is the gift of salvation, is the gift of life, is the gift of new beginnings, is the gift of wholeness, is the gift of peace, is the gift of joy, and is all wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ, who came to earth, died on the cross for your sin to set you apart so that you can enter into that life. So that you can see differently. So that your Mondays to Fridays mean so much that there's a significance to your life. And that is all wrapped up in this amazing gift of salvation. So Jesus says, look at me. What I have, I give to you. If you would like to respond to that call, if you would like to respond to Jesus and say, yes, I would like that. I would like to know a life of meaning and purpose. I would like to know that, that, that I mean something. I would like to know that my Mondays to Fridays are not just normal, everyday days. That, I'm, that, 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 that there's actually something so much more. There is something so much more. If you've been sensing that there's so much more to your life than this, then maybe you need to accept Jesus into your heart. Everyone, can you say this prayer with me? It's a prayer that invites Jesus into our hearts to be our Lord and our Savior. As Romans 10 verse 9 says, if we confess with our lips and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, salvation is yours in that moment, in that moment that can be yours, the gift of salvation. Let's say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on a cross for my sin. I thank you that you saw me and that you invite me into this life that you've prepared for me. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me. Make me whole. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.